Yeah, just so that I don't accidentally whack it with my hand if I'm yeah. doing a sick hand jive. You're gonna do a lot of those for our audio podcast. Yeah, absolutely. You? It's a yeah. um, it's a visual medium, Farron. So is it now? <laughs> it's new to me, but uh... well, see, I just keep posting the the videos of the whole time that we record up on Instagram. I don't know if you've noticed. Or God not. damn it! <laughs> Welcome to We Came From The 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool. I'm your host, Farron. Maybe. And I'm joined today, maybe, by Adam. But the movie ended, and I went to the washroom. We were both alone for about five minutes. Well, Cody did come in here earlier. Mm, Just saying. The dog was in here. The dog was in here. Maybe we're both aliens. Uh, I'll go get the (laughs) flamethrower. I don't think that's what an alien would say, though. But maybe that's why I'm saying Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm. And then I'm going to tie you up, and I've got something sharp in here I'm sure we can find to get what some What do you mean, of... I'm sure we can find? <laughs> Throw a dart, man. <laughs> I, I collect swords. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, So if you hadn't guessed, we're doing The Thing, which premiered on the 25th of June, 1982. It was directed by the ultimate B-movie director, John Carpenter. It was written by Bill Lancaster And the original story that it's kind of sort of based off of, Who Goes There, was written by John W. Campbell Jr. And I think he wrote it like in the 40s. Oh, okay. Uh, Stars Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, Keith David, and several others. And it's rated R. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. It was made on a budget of $10 and it made 19.6. You know what? That's a surprisingly good turn for this. I expected the budget to be higher. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is... I mean, I guess just the special effects is probably a lot of that. I mean, they filmed in the middle of goddamn nowhere, Alaska, Mm -hmm. the middle of nowhere, BC. Yeah. And then in a refrigerated uh, studio in LA. Yeah. That studio, like to keep it that cold, that like, it's all like all the money is poured into the set, I think, into keeping it cold and... You know, Though you'd it, think that a good chunk of that would probably go to maintaining a shoot while you're up in middle of nowhere, Alaska, middle of nowhere, BC. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm surprised they did a really good job with that budget. And yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive, especially considering you know coming back to our we came from the '80s trope. It's not a 15 million dollar movie. Yeah, for just a B movie to fill out the seats in the summer or whenever it was that this released. Uh oh, well, 25th June. So yes, okay, summer. Yeah, summer. <laughs> there you go, summer. Yeah. I mean, this is a kind of sort of remake of a movie from 1951 called The Thing from Another World. Mm-hmm. The Thing from Another World. This is the spot where it was first seen. And these are the first people who saw the thing. How did it get here? Where did it come from? What is it? That thing's alive, sir. I saw it. I shot at it. I hit it. I know it. Happened. It just kept coming at me, making a noise like a cat mewing. Captain, it was awful. If you could have seen those hands and those eyes. Captain, you've got to do something about it. You've got. Is it human or inhuman? Earthly or unearthly? Baffling questions, astounding questions that not even the world's greatest scientific minds can answer. Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? 
A being from another world, as different from us as one pole from the other. If we can only communicate with it. See? What happened, Doctor? In the greenhouse I was working, I couldn't see. Yeah. Then, then a blast of cold air and I heard Olsen scream. Come here. Get in the corner. Now hold this in front of you. Stay by the light switch. 1.9. Needles hit the top. Which the Norwegian camp in this movie sort of plays on, but that one took place like a U.S. Army base that was really full of people in the in uh, the Arctic, not the Antarctic. Oh, okay. And so they go and they find just like you see in the sort of the VHS video that or the beta video, whatever that they take from the Norwegian camp. These guys, you know, they find the ship and you see them standing around it and blowing it up so they can get into it. And then away from the ship, they find uh, this creature. Right. In ice. Okay. In the original 1951 movie, uh, the creature was actually made of vegetable matter, believe it or not. Really? And it was just a big, tall, like they got some six foot five actor who walks like Frankenstein with his arms out and he sort of grabs people and kills them and that's it. He's not, um, he's not a shapeshifter. Right. Whatever. Doppelganger. Body snatcher. Body snatcher. Icky thing. Yeah. Uh, and so they sort of borrowed from this one. And my understanding is that when this film was being made, like they've been working on it since the 70s, it started as an attempt to faithfully recreate who goes there, the original story. Okay. But it you know, goes from director to director to director, mm-hmm. and it changes and changes and changes, and eventually Carpenter got a hold of it and went from there. Yeah. So... Yeah. You know, there are plenty of films. I mean, if you've ever heard of the original plot for Ghostbusters about a bunch of ghost hunters going from dimension to dimension hunting demons. Oh, wow. Yeah. So things change when you get better writers on it. Yeah. And in the case of Ghostbusters, it was just not letting Dan Aykroyd have the script to himself. <laughs> uh, uh, if you think he's weird now, he was always weird. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, that original movie was like there was you know there was a lot more interplay between the characters there was a woman there who was in love with the chopper pilot like she was a nurse and right there was a reporter there who kept trying to get the story out and so they're trying to suppress him okay and you know it is it's actually a more complex movie yeah but here the creature is the creature say is cooler. the movie yeah the creature is the movie. this is a monster movie in a with a more modern sensibility or yeah okay, well modern 40 years ago whatever well but, yeah uh, it, it's an 80s monster movie that's a bit gorier than your usual. Yeah, and that's, like, you've never seen this before, have you? No, I haven't. Yeah, see, I saw this, I'm going to assume, on Super Channel. It's okay. one of those that was either Super Channel or or a rental. Who the hell right. knows? You know, so I probably saw it, I'm going to take a wild guess, and I, I'll say I saw it on Super Channel. Okay. Even then, the gore bothered me. I don't like gore. Yeah. I'm not impressed by buckets of blood and goo and... But this one, like, can you imagine when John Carpenter sat down with a special effects guy and said, okay, here's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. And that guy's thinking, I'm either going to need a lot of vodka or a lot of help. Probably like both. both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they really go, it, it's it's a real 80s gore fest. Oh, it really is. But it's a B-movie. Like, yeah. this is what it is. Yeah. And before we'd started this, I'd, I'd mentioned to you that John Carpenter is really, really good at, especially for me, um, just kind of getting in my head because I do the thing about, well, what if and possibly and maybe and mm-hmm. what if this thing did actually happen? Like, uh, after watching In the Mouth of Madness, <laughs> I, I was laying in bed thinking about that for weeks. Um, <laughs> but I don't think that I'm going to quite get that with this because this is so... 
I mean, like, don't get me wrong. In the Mouth of Madness is obviously patently absurd as well. Of course it is. But you can kind of give it, well, it's a Lovecraftian horror that's mm-hmm. incomprehensible beyond the stars. Yeah, that's the point, yeah. Whereas this, like, yeah, no, that's that's just a bucket of special effects score. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I can't help but think that if it was redone today, and there was a prequel called ugh, The Thing. They couldn't even call it, like, The Thing Before or The Thing 2 or something. They just yeah. call it The Thing. And it's about the Norwegian camp. Right. And it is meant as a direct prequel to this film. Mm-hmm. But if they were to sort of do it again today and set aside this whole film, I think there'd be a way, there'd be way less gore It'd look way more like, say, like the T-1000 from Terminator 2 or something like that. Yeah. Like, it would just be, it'd be faster, and it wouldn't be just about grossness. Like, here, yeah. it's all about ick. Yeah. They would say, okay, how are we going to make this so gross you barf in your popcorn? Okay, we've done that. Okay, how about the next guy? How do we make the, the, the next guy heave in his popcorn? Right. You know, and they always went for the goriest, ickiest. I mean, there's a lot of movies in the 80s that... You know, it's it's all practical effects. Like they yeah. built all this. There's no CGI in no. this at all. No, everything is practical, which is incredibly impressive. Yeah, including the use of fire. Like, yeah, the fire marshal on this film earned his pay. Oh my god, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, I know that there's been a lot of advancements in the past mm-hmm. thirty years when it yeah. comes to pyrotechnics and film. Just a bit. But, yeah. but like this is this must have been terrifying to shoot some of these scenes. Yeah. It's funny because I, I tweeted at Wilford Brimley. Right. And I said, what you know, I'm I'm doing it this weekend. Uh, what would you like our audience to know about the film? And two things he said is first off, he knew it would do well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's the sort of film that attracts the eighteen year old crowd. Of course. But also he said it was a lot of fun to shoot. Yeah. And I, I guess because he'd never done anything like this before, I don't think like any other movie I can think of, Wilford Brimley has been a drama or a thriller or something, with the exception mm. of Cocoon. Okay. Um, you ever seen that one? No. It's uh, directed by Ron Howard. It's about a bunch of people in an old folks' home okay. who discover aliens live next door. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's actually a very, it's a very touching film. Okay. And it's, it has to do with Atlantis and these cocoons they're bringing out of the ocean and in them it turns out they're like they're hiding in the bottom of the pool and these old people are sneaking into the pool and they come out feeling younger and rejuvenated and they're actually healthier okay. and it turns out that each of these cocoons is a, is a um, like a life preserver okay. and inside are the aliens they had to abandon when Atlantis sunk right. and they've been in putting sort of energy into the pool to bring these these aliens out of their hibernation whatever okay it's like it's a very very good film it includes steve gutenberg you know the guy from police academy oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's actually a good film we'll have to do it one day okay you know that involves like people in, in sort of white suits and then special effects of glowy you know glowy effects put over top of them oh, okay that's the only other I and mean, there was cocoon to the return again same special effects that brimley was involved in but i don't think he'd ever done anything like this mm-hmm. and i you know we often look at a you know actors who do weird movies and you, and you think why? Like, why would you do that? You've got this amazing career. Mm-hmm. But then we forget this is their job. Yeah. And they would like to have some fun doing it. So why not choose the wacky shit? Totally. That's just crazy to do. And it's not like you're not going to go see their next film because this one sucked. You're yeah. Probably, you know, so let's go have some fun. Yeah. You can go ahead and say, well, I'm still going to get a paycheck. We're still going to make money off of this. I might as well go do this film. That sounds like it's going to be a blast to shoot. Yeah. And, 
and, and I can see that. I mean, I would be utterly miserable being in the cold. Mm-hmm. But look, these guys would film for five minutes and probably rush back to their superheated trailer. Yeah. So that's an adventure. I don't imagine if they had to spend the time in the actual Antarctic where it's 40 below at night or worse. As we consistently pointed out. Yeah, like, yeah, you're going to die real quickly out there dressed like that, yeah. buddy. But uh, mostly uh, mostly uh, Kurt Russell's character, McCready, who... Yeah, he refuses to wear proper covering. Yeah, I, I guess they figured having, <laughs> having the big bushy beard and the long hair was enough to... Uh, to keep him alive. Yeah, that's how that works, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go with that. Yeah. Well, shall we tie into it then? Let's, yeah, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's rip into this. All right. Um, so it actually starts off literally the same way Predator 1 starts. It does. With uh, watching a spaceship hit the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And like we were saying, just like with the original, just like with Predator, if they had cut it out, it'd be better because then it would take time for you to realize what it was you were up against. Yeah. And even at that, I still hold to the conviction that you don't have a clear interpretation, like except for the spaceship at the yeah. at the end, you don't have a clear interpretation of what the end this of what? thing is. The, um, oh, in this movie, in the oh, movie, the one yeah. Blair builds. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, like if they Rimley's had removed, yeah. yeah, if they had removed that and they'd removed the spaceship at the beginning, I would have entirely believed that this was some ancient creature, or something. an ancient creature, or maybe it was like a Norwegian bio experiment that went horribly wrong. Yeah, that was a military yeah. thing. I mean, that would make perfect sense with the fact that they've got yeah. extremely heavy. But remember, armaments. there's the video, the Norwegian video with with the okay. excavation. Okay, so, yeah. yeah, there are there are other things that you would need yeah. to slice out to maintain the ambiguity, mm-hmm. but those are the big points, I yeah. think. But if you were to leave just this crash out, you wouldn't know until you saw yeah. the video yeah. what it was. You go, oh my god, it's an alien. Um, and you know, I often wonder whether they debated that. I'm sure that they probably had to. Like you'd think that you'd want to give yourself as much flexibility give Mm -hmm. the give the viewer as much flexibility as possible yeah because with the beginning and we said the same thing with predator you pigeonhole them into this is the truth yeah i know there's an alien out there yeah Yeah. and if you leave that ambiguity in then the human mind runs wild yeah like it will Um, come up with way better stuff than any director but this movie isn't subtle no god it was the same with predator it's they're not meant to be subtle you're you're meant to know what you're getting into i'm going to see an alien flick okay maybe that's another thing that had it been made today they would do they would they simply wouldn't tell you. Right. You'd be left to figure it out until you saw the video and you went, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, because I think we expect more twists and turns now than totally. we did. Yeah. I mean, you think of, you know, we're watching, I mean, I'm not sure if you've been catching, uh, keeping up at Star Trek Picard. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Was this fourth, fourth episode just came out this Thursday. I haven't watched that uh, one yet. Really, let me spoil it for you. No. Uh, those you know, like that and, and Star Trek Discovery, which I'm a huge fan of. Agreed. It writes Star Trek very differently. The original Star Trek and Next Gen and DS9 and Voyager yeah. and Enterprise. They were Monster of the Week. They were mon- they were Monster of the Week, and there was never a lot of mystery. I mean, sometimes yeah. the odd one had a mystery. Yeah, but, but it wasn't, like, big. You know, well, yeah. Now we kind of expect these big reveals, and we expect plots that weave through multiple episodes. Yeah. Like, pres- you know, we're in a golden age of prestige TV. Oh, 100%. And this is not that. Oh, God, no. <laughs> you know, This it, is the furthest thing from that. Yeah, and, and so, you know, we're debating subtleties here. Well, no. Yeah. But as we, we, we've spent far too much time on the first minute of this film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the next one is, you know, a dude in a, in a, uh, in a Norwegian helicopter shooting at a dog. And as you pointed out, and it has been pointed out many times, if you speak Norwegian, there is no ambiguity that the dog is an alien because apparently that's what the guy screams. It's not a dog. It's an alien or something like yeah. that. Uh, but they banked on the, you know, the, the, the average audience, not, mm. 
you know, are not speaking Norwegian. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, even at that, they just showed a minute and a half before that it's an alien. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So there's no, you, you, if you didn't have that, you'd be wondering why are they shooting at this dog? Yeah. And I think that that would have been a way more interesting yeah. thing. Obviously, you know something is wrong with the dog. The audience realizes that. Yeah, but you also see it. I mean, but again, as we know, we this isn't subtle. No, like said. no. You know, we see the dog, like when they come back with that steaming body from the Norwegian camp. Yeah. We see the dog watching in a way that dogs don't watch. Yeah. So you look at it and go, yeah, that dog's not behaving properly. Yeah. Because it's not a dog, of course. Exactly. But, uh, you know, so we're sort of slowly introduced, you know, as we're covering between, you know, life at this this um, this u.s this small u.s research station in yeah. antarctic in winter 82 as they point out yeah. and the chasing of the the dog we're sort of slowly learning broad strokes who these characters are what we learn is mccready kurt russell's character the helo pilot he likes to drink mm-hmm. um he also doesn't like uh, computers I don't think it's so that he likes computers. He just doesn't seem to like to lose. Yeah, he loses chess and he, and he destroys the computer, which yeah. is great when you're in the middle of nowhere for months at a time. Yeah, nobody says shit about that either. Like, hey, he man. He fries a computer, yeah, yeah. thanks for frying our one piece of entertainment out here. Yeah, I wanted but, to play chess next. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and so, yeah, so the, as the, the sort of these two plot lines sort of merge and the, 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 the dog reaches the... Uh, uh, the camp and you know the the helo pilot lands and he's shooting at them and accidentally shoots one of one of the americans mm-hmm. and everyone scatters oh well that's after uh, the other person in the helo blows hit that's right yes that's right they're throwing charge. they're throwing thermite charges to try and kill the thing and yes right he drops one the, the, the pilot drops one in the snow and he's trying to dig it out while the gut well with the dude to the gun goes after the dog and the thermite charge goes up and of course takes the pilot and the helo with him yeah he maybe he poor... spoke english maybe he, he could have avoided this God whole plot damn it yeah <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of problems with the people here and, <laughs> and that just that may be one of them but uh, yeah and so you know the, the one guy gets shot and then we, we learn that this place is a cop yeah and they call him they always kept they keep calling him captain or yeah. capitan I, I i never did catch his name i don't they're recall. kind of interchangeable you know yeah there's uh, like there's childs which is yeah. the black dude yeah there's window he's the um, uh yeah he had he's the, the, the he he's one of the shades all the time yeah, he's the, the radio operator. Hair. yeah the radio, radio op, thanks blair who's the, who's wilford brimley's character the dog the scientist yeah there's the doctor and i don't even remember what the doctor's name cooper i think so yeah yeah, yeah they just call him doc who's of course well, the yeah uh mccready or mac yeah um the helo pilot and we don't really you know I can't remember a lot of the other ones, a You've lot of their names. You've got the chef who was like Nails or Niles or something like that. Yeah, Niles. Right, Niles. Niles right. Um, there's a few of them, but he's the other black dude. Yeah. He's the one on roller skates. Yeah, he doesn't get a whole lot of screen time except to be a stereotype. Yeah, and then die. <laughs> yeah. So, well, which is funny when everyone does it, oddly yeah. enough. Everyone right? does not here. But uh, yeah, so the captain who turns out is like the cop and he walks around with a sidearm. Yeah. Which, you know, he he's one shot. He takes that guy out right through the eye. Yeah. And so down goes the Norwegian dude, and that's a shock. And then we learn that, you know, they're trying to report in this incident of, you know, one dude blowing himself up and the other getting shot. But we learn that it's been two weeks since this station has been able to communicate with anyone. I don't know if that's a normal thing, but I would be very surprised 
if communications weren't difficult at that time in Antarctic. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is I'm sure in the 80s communication was way more challenging. I'd imagine by now they've probably got hard lines laid to a lot of their research outposts. From I um, honestly don't know. I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. But they probably have better radio gear. That's for damn sure. Yeah, that as well. Uh, also, remember in the 80s there was a huge ozone layer hole over the Antarctic. Oh, really? Massive. You, you didn't learn about that in school? I, it that's sounds we, familiar, that's but why I... we got rid of Freon in in uh, refrigerators okay. and CFCs. It's a type of chemical oh, used uh, in like chlorofluorocarbons. Yeah, used in like uh, hairspray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it ate that cr- that crap hung out uh, mostly in the South Pole in the atmosphere uh-huh. and ate a hole in the ozone layer, oh, which is okay. what we use to keep up like you know yeah, radiation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hole's getting better now, but yeah, in the eighties, that's why there was a huge treaties about eliminating that stuff. I didn't know so, it was directly over the uh, Antarctic. The yeah, Antarctic. yeah. It, in fact, at one point, it was bigger than the Antarctic. Oh, wow. That's how big it was. So that would have, I'm sure, having, you know, not having an ozone layer to protect against solar radiation, I imagine that wouldn't make it any easier to uh, communicate, but I don't think they were thinking about that. No, probably not. It just, you know. Hey, there's a problem. And Why? We, oh. Yeah, we can't get help. It's yes. yeah, it's meant to create tension. We're probably reading way more into this than yeah. John Carpenter did. Well, I mean, you just have to create a problem, and then that's the end of the story. Yeah, yeah. Like this is this is no different than the isolated farmhouse and the the, the creature lurking in the woods. It, yeah, it's, exactly. It's no different. Oh, I don't have cell service out here. Oh, the landline got cut. Oh, yeah, the, exactly. The it, carrier pigeons being lazy. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but by this point, we start to learn little bitty bits about the various characters, like the yeah. guy who gets shot, he's kind of a wimp, and the doctor's kind of a, you know, sort of an old school, oh, suck it up. But as we both noticed, the doctor has a nose ring. Yeah. Which, I mean, even today, I mean, do guys really do nose rings? Is that really a thing? Um, I don't think it's so much in vogue anymore, yeah. really. Uh, like, for girls, yeah. having a nose stud. Or a hoop. Or a hoop, yeah. That's more of a... I mean, but certainly in 1982. Yeah. Remember, you described him perfectly. It's like the Dirty Dozen, and I described him as like, it's a bunch of pirates. Like, yeah. these are these are like misfits. Yeah. They all drink a lot. They're kind of goofy. Yeah. They love their weed. Actually, well, I mean, two of them do. Two, two of them, them do, smoke right. a joint at one point in the film. There's a couple of them, actually. It was the first one, the guy is Oh, saying, that's right. He's sitting there with the roach clip when he comes right. in. Right. Yeah. That's when he takes a shot. He says, we were waiting for El Capitan to use his pop gun. Yes, yes, um, yes. Yeah, so they realize the guy is Norwegian. They figure out he's some distance away, like he's from some distance away. So the doctor and McCready, who's a pilot, fly there. Mm-hmm. And this to me is actually, this is my favorite part of the film when they go to this Norwegian yeah. camp. And it's still smoking. Like mm-hmm. whatever happened, just happened. Yeah, it like the the culmination just happened in the Norwegian camp. The Norwegians got in the helicopter and chased the dog yeah, here, the and two then the started. Yeah, yeah. So the Norwegians actually actually did a better job of surviving than than these guys yeah. do. But the place looks like a war zone. I mean, there's holes in walls. All the windows are blown out, and then they come across this one guy who's sitting in a chair, and we got a straight razor in one hand, in yeah. his left hand, in that same he's, hand. Yeah, he's slashed both his wrists, yeah. and the, the blood is dripped out, and it's frozen. Yeah. You know, it is pretty damn cold. Yeah. But then, then they show his, like, his head is, like, half taken off. Yeah, it, it's, like, halfway gone, and I get it, you know, straight razors use safety blades, and those are sharper than all holy hell. Yeah. But that would take a lot to, you a know. A lot of force, yeah. Lot. And based on what we saw from the creature, I mean, the it's thing the, doesn't act with precision. No, it just grabs you and sucks you up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so that, he did that to himself. With that straight razor, somehow. I, I, think it's, <laughs> I think it was just meant to sort of freak out the audience, and it really does. Oh, yeah. Um, no, but that's it's a sort of like, once you've, done your, once you've done your wrists, you're good. 
you're, you know, maybe you decided it wasn't happening fast enough, and so yeah. just ripped that sucker open. But it looks like someone took at him with an axe. Yeah, uh, because it's cut like through the windpipe. Like that's a yeah. deep cut. But it's pretty scary. Like you realize what was going on here that this guy took his own life. It's pretty yeah. goddamn horrible. Yeah. And then they come across the uh, what do they come across first? The jacuzzi. The, the, yeah, the jacuzzi. Yeah, <laughs> they come across a block of ice, just like from the thing from another world, from the original. Mm-hmm. And it, the block of ice clearly had something that they melted out. Right. Now, in Thing from Another World, that's part of the tension that they want to keep it frozen. Mm-hmm. But someone accidentally turns on a heater, and so it slowly drips, and the the, th- the thing comes out. And again, it's like a Frankenstein-type arms right. in front of a monster. Whereas here, you know, we don't know what it is, but they come across in the ice outside some twisted thing. Yeah. Which I love that they don't quite show you. Like the guy says, is that like a man in there? Yeah. But it's like a jumble of limbs and they're stretchy and it's slick and frozen, but it's icky. And so they bring it back with them. And when we, you know, and pretty much the next scene is them sort of opening it up back at their camp. Yeah. And it's very well done. Like it's the steam steam run rises off of it and it's, it's gooey and. Yeah. It's got like, (laughs) bad way to put it but it looks like it's glazed with something yeah and it's it's fresh and it's terrible and it's gore well and... you know what it turns out they use for stuff like this like the goo from the uh the aliens films mm. milkshake thickener really yeah huh. milkshake well because you need something non-toxic obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're working with it but yeah they use like milkshake thickener because well it's thick and it's clear and mm. it's probably freezes pretty easily probably but not too easily because otherwise it wouldn't be good for you know milkshakes right. but the one thing about the the creature in this movie is it's very wet. Yeah. It's got the same... I think they stole that from, like, from Alien, yeah. where just the stickiness and the gooiness, because humans aren't, generally speaking, sticky wet and sticky and, and, and drooling. It it just... It adds that little bit of gross factor to yeah. it, the body horror feel to it. The the further that you dissociate the, the creature from anything humane, then the more... Or human, yeah, humanoid or, or, yeah. or just normal. Yeah. The further from normal it is. Yeah. And it, it does lend that context of, oh, this is something that doesn't exist here. This is yeah. nothing that a person has yeah. seen before. I mean, in this thing, it's got, I mean, they like they show the head. It looks like, imagine if your face were split in two and it looks a little bit like the, the comedy and tragedy masks. Yeah. Like the whole thing, it's, it's grotesque is the word. It's yeah. grotesque. Yeah. And they start sort of looking through it. But even at that point, they're not too worried about it because that night they... You know, they head to bed. Two guys are smoking this massive joint while watching copies of, uh, I guess that's the Price is Right? Probably. It kind of looks like old Price is Right, I think. Or something like that. They're choosing, I don't know. Some, some old some game, game show, show where they had to, it's a real game show, but where they had to dress up in costumes and he says, I already know how this one ends. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they don't have streaming internet. They have whatever VCRs or like VHS tapes or beta, whatever, yeah. were sent to them. I'm pretty sure it was a VHS machine. I'm fairly confident that I saw a VHS on the side of it. Yeah. But it's hard to tell. Yeah. With the big ass video recorder, which, you know, these days VCRs, if you could find one are really, really small. Yeah. Back then they were huge. (laughs) You know, it's kind of neat because the dog, like one thing we've seen over the course of the day is that the, this dog, which it's very clearly not a dog. We just, the way it looks at people and the way it, it moves, it's, it it moves like a dog, but it doesn't react like a dog. That's the best way to put it. It's been sort of wandering around and, there's a one neat scene, and we both talked about it because we were both totally confused by it, where we see the shadow of a guy sitting on his bed, mm-hmm. and the dog walks in, and the lights fade out, and you go to the next scene. Yeah. And unless you can remember whose haircut you saw in profile, yeah, you have no idea who the dog had his, you know, and, and presumably that's the first time the dog 
yeah converts someone well because they generally do a good job of like here is the scene where the thing converts a person even yeah. if they don't show it directly happening yeah you, you you know oh he's gone now yeah um they don't have a lot of ambiguity where like oh this person was alone for five minutes therefore they yeah. are now the thing that's the one thing that does bother me about this film is that it's inconsistent because this thing is awfully slow when the when carpenter wants the audience to see it change yeah and it's awfully fast when it doesn't care yeah and at the end like when Blair goes after the cop mm-hmm. or puts his hand, his hand over his mouth, that seems to happen very, very quickly. Yeah. And you know, it, it's, it's inconsistent. It's sort of like, uh, it's sort of like the door, at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark, it right. lowers and then it's up and it's down. How long does it take? As long as it needs to. Yeah. I mean, I think that with that, like there's, there's a lot of wiggle room that you can have with these. Like we, yeah, it's, it's a monster movie. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's a horror film. You, you can't ascribe normal physics and laws of sense to what this yeah. strange monster from another world does. Certainly not from an 80s movie. Exactly. Again, if this were made today, that's probably a question they would ask. Yeah. They would, they would say, they would decide in advance, here's how the creature operates. Now let's use that. Well, yeah, because there are a lot more people that sit around and spend way too much time analyzing way these movies. Way too much time, yeah. And even then, I'm sure they would mess with the timings a bit. Probably. You know. So the next scene we get to see is, what's his name? Oh, I don't remember. It starts with a C. Because at one Cooper? point... No, that no. was the doctor. The dog guy, whatever. Yeah, the dog dude. He's kind he, of a dick. Yeah, he, lock, <laughs> he locks the dog in, well, the dog pen. Because it turns out they have dogs. These yeah. are like huskies, I guess. Yep. And... They never explain why they have dogs there. Like, what use do those dogs have? They don't have any sleds. Well, but, we don't see any sleds. Yeah, I guess. But they keep the dogs in a pen, and the, and this thing sort of lies down there. And immediately, you know, after a couple seconds, the dogs start growling at the thing. And then it just sort of, like, the face splits in four, and it's, like, full-on gross. Yeah, it's very Demogorgon from uh, Stranger Things Season yeah. 1. Actually, what I was thinking of is... Um, uh, if you ever seen the miniatures of mimics of oh, yeah. of beer barrels, yeah, it looks like that because it's just this big mass, this big barrel like mass of yeah. fur, and shit comes out of it, and it starts hosing down one of the dogs with goo. I'm sure that dog must have been thrilled to have that dumb do him on set several yeah. times. Yeah, poor dog. Yeah, and and it starts killing the dogs. Right, and I think two or three of them get out. Yeah, because the guy comes back. The dog guy comes back. Is it Charles? Maybe. Whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, know. it's dog dude. Uh, dog dude comes back and opens the door and gets knocked over by these dogs fleeing. Yeah. And he's able to close the this gate. The gate. Yeah. And then... He runs off and gets everybody else and starts right. screaming. And... Well, how does it they get everyone's attention really quickly? Who comes down? Oh, yeah, McCready, McCready. hears the screaming yeah, through, through what his, it is. Booze, his drunken haze. And then he screams yeah. for the flamethrower. Flamethrower, because they have a flamethrower, don't you know? Well, they've got two, two. of them. Yeah, which I guess we figured was if you had to very quickly clear snow yeah. or or ice well, or... you know what? Thinking about it, it's maybe not even just the speed of it. It's the fact that you have to do it consistently to keep things maintained. Like, you I don't guess, wanna... but a flamethrower? Well, I, mean, I think they you... needed a flamethrower because it's a horror movie. I mean, maybe. <laughs> like, it's I... just... I've never lived above the Arctic Circle or below the Bo- Antarctic Circle. Yeah, no, nor I. Um, <laughs> I don't no, have good context. You know, nor nor have I any intention of it. It's, yeah. it's, it's miserable enough outside here That's as fair. it is. Yeah. But, Not pleasant. Yeah, so they, they torch these things. And we both notice the same thing, that when they scorch the, the thing... Well, they scorch half of it, because half of it goes through the ceiling and scampers off. Yeah, um, that never really pays off, does it? Well, I think that's what... 
you know, you're right. It doesn't because all the deaths come from an autopsy. Yeah. Actually, it comes from the autopsy of the thing they burn. Yeah. But they don't let it burn very long. No, like, it's, it's a quick get, scorch. You don't get that couple of seconds to sort of appreciate it, watch it squirm. They just sort of, they torch it and like three seconds later, they put it out. Yeah. And they do a, an autopsy, like uh, the Wilford Brimley character, uh, Blair, does an autopsy on it. And he's saying like, well, these are normal organs. I don't know what's happening here. Yeah. And what happens here? Is this more autopsy? Is it more autopsy? Oh, no. This is where they're They take the blood the samples from the dogs. Right. Because there's a few dogs that survive. Yeah. And that's kind of it for the day. And then McCready, the next morning with two others, goes to where... This is where, this is where they see the VCR stuff. Yes, they see the VCR stuff, and then they uh, correlate that with some maps that uh, the scientist that the, the, doctor the doctor grabbed back. from the Norwegian place, right? Yeah. And this is where they realized we better figure out what it was. Yeah. Because at this point, they like they see that there was a hatch, and that like they realize it's from outer space. Yeah. Uh, so they fly out to this massive crater, and it's massive. It looks like it's a, like you say about a kilometer across. It's what would you figure? 100, 150 meters deep. Something that, like that. Yeah. That's a lot of thermite. <laughs> yeah. Well, like that's this was a massive expedition that these Norwegians were undertaking for yeah. nobody to have any idea about it. Yeah, and that's I mean, the thing. even in the Ar- Antarctic. Yeah. You figure they'd bring people, but no. So they go down and they find a spaceship, and they don't even pay us. They don't even pay off. You don't even get to see inside the spaceship. No, you really don't. That was. Um, I'm not sure if I'm disappointed by that or if I'm in favor of it. I'm really kind of torn. Yeah, I mean, the one thing about Alien is part of the payoff is you get to see the ship. Yeah. You get to see what a wreck it was. Yeah. And then all hell breaks loose. Maybe they they wanted to avoid the comparison because uh, Alien true. was I think 78 or 79, and they probably yeah. say, oh wow. This is just alien with a different alien. I, yeah. Maybe that's why they chose. Maybe there's a cut scene, like a cut scene in there somewhere. Yeah. I actually have the the Blu-ray. I suppose we could go through, and but I don't care. That doesn't but, yeah. seem like a good use of our time. No, <laughs> but they yeah. So they, they come out, and that's where they find the block of ice cut out, and we learn that it's about a hundred thousand years old because the yeah. guy looks around him and based on readings and how deep the ice is, he yeah. figures it's about a hundred thousand years old. I would assume that they probably like took a core ice sample from the bottom of the crater there. Well, I think that, I think they talk about the data he saw. Oh. Like the okay. data for the yeah. Norwegians. Yeah, so they, they go back to base, and this is where we learn that Blair has figured it out. Yeah, he's, Blair knows what's going yeah, on. Yeah, because the computers are telling him, like, he's... And there's no way computers in 1982 could no. do this. No, but I, I love the, the, the yeah, graphics. The, the graphic the, of the red bad cell and two yeah. dog cells and how it sort of assimilates it and it just becomes bigger and then grabs the next cell. Yeah. But the computer figures out that, you know, it's it, it sort of grabs a cell, mm-hmm. it eats it, I guess you'd say, and yeah. then mimics it and then grabs the next one and mimics it. And he asks the computer... If this thing got out in the wild, dot, dot, dot. And the computer seems to know what that means and says, was it 27,000 hours after first contact, the entire world is assimilated. Yeah. So at this point, Blair, who you know presumably is human, has realized no one can leave here. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that when you realize early on, this is the ship of the damned. Yeah. N- ain't no one getting off. No. Uh, and and that's, that's something I do enjoy as well. Like there's a good case to be made that not every movie needs to have a good ending yeah yeah every once in a while it's nice to have a movie where where the, where the characters lose yeah i was talking with a uh, a work colleague about xcom 2 okay the, you know the, the, yep. the computer game by firaxis and i like how in firaxis's games firaxis is the company owned by sid meyer so he does mm-hmm. civilization yep. you're allowed to lose yeah you can lose like if you ever play assassin's creed my favorite games of all time you can't lose you just reload yeah in xcom the aliens can win. Mm-hmm. And there comes a point where it's inevitable. 
But you know what? I, I often find I play those games to the end anyway. Yep. I want to see, how, you know, despite fighting my hardest, how does this end badly for me? Right. And this movie is like that. Like, you know that, figuratively speaking, the ship is going down with all hands. Mm-hmm. Everyone here is going to die. The question is, does the alien also die? Right. And I kind of like that. They, they, they don't actually tell you. No. Though they, they asked John Carpenter about that a few years ago. Oh, really? And he said that he, uh, and I, I honestly forget which one he said was the alien which one wasn't okay i happen to think childs is the alien at the end yeah. but that's me right but honestly we don't know no but yeah so blair figures it out and at some point while they're looking over this dead mass of goo you've got window and some other dude hanging out in the storeroom where they've put the burned thing from the kennel in right. the meantime someone one of the other guys fuchs is his name fuchs ah, okay pulls McCready out and says, look. There's something wrong with Blair. He's locked himself in his room and he won't answer the door. So I took one of his notebooks from the lab. Yeah. Listen. It could have imitated a million life forms on a million planets. Could change into any one of them at any time. Now it wants life forms on Earth. It's getting cold in here, Fuchs, and I haven't slept in Wait a minute, Mac, wait a minute. It needs to be alone and in close proximity with the life form to be absorbed. The chameleon strikes in the dark. So is Blair cracking up or what? the creed, there is still cellular activity in these burned remains. They're not dead yet. He grabs hold of one guy. I can't remember who it was he grabs, but it doesn't matter. It's the guy in the orange vest. It was the other one that was in the room with Window. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. Because Window comes out and says, they got him, they got him, they got him. And yeah. they come back in and there's no body there. It's like, yeah. he was right here, man. The thing got him. And they and they, and they sort of chase him out into the, into the snow. And he's almost entirely converted. Yeah. Except his hands are big and... Just grotesque and grotesque. claws. Yeah, they're like five times the, the regular size. The, yeah. You know, the fingers are overly long. It's a bad copy. So they torch him, and this is when they realize everything must burn. Yeah. So they gather as much of this material, all like the original thing from the Norwegian camp, they grab mm-hmm. all of this, they put it in a big pit in the snow, and they burn it. And you'd think that would be enough, but then we realize that, well, they've been doing that. Blair's been busy. Yeah. He destroys both helicopters. Mm-hmm. He And then he shows up at the radio room with a fire axe. Yeah. He's oh, sorry. and the tractor. He kills the tractor as well. That's right. He, that's right. He kills the tractor. Well, the, not, the, not the caterpillar, because they use that later, but the, uh, what would you call it? It's, the, it is like a tractor, but it's yeah, like I'm, a long-range vehicle on tracks. Yeah, I think that it's like the same kind of thing that they use for grooming hills uh, for skiing, probably. Same sort of thing. I mean, it's yeah. like, it, it's, it's essentially, it's a, it's a vehicle that can handle the weather and yeah. has tracks, not wheels. Yeah. yeah. Um, think of it as like an Arctic tank, I yeah. guess. He's destroyed that, but now he's in the radio room, and he's shooting at people. They manage to subdue him after he's destroyed the radio, mm-hmm. and they drag him off, and as you point out, they lock him in the tool shed. I wonder how he'll get out. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, jumping forward a little bit here, like, he, he winds up being, uh, being the bad guy as we've, well, being one of the things yeah. as we spoiled at the end, but at what point does he get assimilated? I assume that it's after they go back out there to talk to him when he's got the noose very blatantly hanging beside himself. Yeah, where he was gonna he was considering killing him. So why didn't he kill himself? Well, the thing got to him. Yeah. That's one possibility. But he really, really wants to get out. Yeah, he really wants to come so, back in. Uh, he's saying all the right things. I kind of wonder if he was grabbed early on. If him destroying the radio, he can say all he wants about, we can't get out of here, we gotta keep the thing here, we got, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's just talk. And he's isolating them Right. Because he wants to wipe them out. Okay. 
I, I want like, but that's what's that's what I like about this movie. There yeah. is a lot of ambiguity, and yep. there is no way to piece it together. No, there's really not because it's not a murder mystery. If you were watching a murder mystery, they would purposely show you all the clue. I mean, a well-made murder mystery. Right. They would show you all the clues you needed to guess who done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just watched uh, Ryan Johnson's new movie, Knives Out. Oh yeah, I've been meaning to watch that. Excellent is film. It? Oh, perfect. And again, if you're paying attention. It's an old style 1930s, 40s murder mystery, which mm-hmm. is that they show you who did it, who did it, and they show you how they did it. Mm-hmm. You just got to pay really close attention. Okay. So anytime you hear something that's inconsequential, it's not. Yeah. Here they don't do that. Here, because Carpenter is a very sloppy filmmaker, I'm sorry, <laughs> but he is. This works in his favor here. Right. Because don't get me wrong, he's a good filmmaker. Yeah. In the Mouth of Madness is one of my favorite films. Absolutely. The Fog. Fabulous horror movie. Uh, they Live, I think, is 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 kind of lame. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, the guy who plays Child is in that one too, along oh, with Roddy okay. Roddy Piper. Oh, okay. And he's a good movie maker, but he's sloppy. Mm-hmm. But because he makes B movies, nobody cares. Right. And here, that sloppiness actually works in his favor because you could, no matter how many times you watch this film, you could not possibly chase trace the root of the thing. No. Through the staff. No. Uh, yeah. No, you really can't. You I get mean, close. Maybe maybe that's the payoff for the the part of the thing that escapes through the through the roof is yeah. that's what gets um, uh, Blair Blair the Wilfred Rimley's character yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's hard to tell but I I like that that you're just not you're just gonna have to ride with this because yeah. you're never gonna figure it out no no you're really not and yeah so what happens they do another autopsy I think I think that the first autopsy was done on the original. Thing. Right, yeah. And so then they do the second autopsy on the thing from the kennel. Yeah. I think this is just where they start getting paranoid about each other and they start tying each other up. And the one guy, oh, Windows, Windows yeah. freaks out and goes for the guns. You know, one thing I noticed is they got a lot of guns. They do. Like four or five shotguns. They've got two pistols, pistols. four or five shotguns. But one of those pistols, like the one that Blair had, I get the impression is not an officially issued no, weapon. No, that's, that's his personal. He brought a gun of. with him. Yeah. And I think that that's, that might even be the same for the captain as well. Well, I mean, the way he's dressed, he's wearing kind of a cop's uniform. Yeah. Like, a, he looks like some country sheriff. He got brought out here just to kind of... Well, someone's got to be the law. Yeah. Just to manage. Charge. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it makes perfect sense. And then they we see that they've got four or five shotguns. And then I'm still of the mind that I ascribe the, the flamethrowers is supposed to be like a utilitarian thing. Oh, yeah. I don't think it was... Ever, it put it on there as weapon. No one uses... Okay, the Marines use them as, as weapons yeah. in the Second World War. But yeah. since there's not a likely they're going to find a pillbox full of Imperial Japanese soldiers down here, uh, you don't need a flamethrower for that. Right. But yeah, it's hard to tell, but they clearly have firearms. I mean, as yeah. we pointed out in the, in the very first shot, the Norwegian is, is using... A military grade Heckler and Koch G3. It's a military weapon. Mm-hmm. But if you're a government, like you said, if you're a government facility, chances are they'll pass off to you. Uh, well, okay, let's just go get something out of stores. Let's grab, issue them a military rifle. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. It just makes sense. You don't know what's going to happen. But here's the thing: there's there are no polar bears in in the South Pole. No. Like there's penguins and there's crazy Norwegians. There's crazy Norwegians or Swedish. Sorry. No, no, they're Norway. They're Norway. Oh, sorry, Finn, uh, Finnish. Norwegians. Dutch? Norwegians. Danish. Yes, Europe <laughs> is one large one large country. Yeah. Scottish. <laughs> I See, like some, you less. I, I just, sometimes I really just need to do things to get your goat because I really I'm, hate you. you I know you do. Right? I know. Twelve years now. I'm so sad that I wasn't here for spaceballs. I'm sad that I was here for spaceballs. <laughs> well you weren't. You were in the closet. That's true. I really, I <clears throat> absolutely was really in the closet. Absolutely. I was not sitting here monitoring the, uh, 
the uh, sound at all. No. Though when they watched it, I actually tuned it. I was playing League of Legends. <laughs> nice. I, I genuinely don't like that movie. But anyway, let's go back yeah, to a movie okay. that I like. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, like everyone's paranoid. Everyone's turning on each other. And so you have numerous scenes where they're tying this person up and tying that person up. And they say, well, we can do a blood serum test where we'll mix the serum of the creature with actual blood and they have a blood store and that came just before this as well i think i think that was actually yeah that's actually before the gun scene scene, yeah Yeah. where someone has gotten into it and that again that there's no way like how is it that he got in there because the only key to the to the the blood locker Mm -hmm. is in the hands of the captain and And we know the captain is human right up until the end yeah right up until blair gets him yeah so where how did he get in there other than you know like and they point out the the the, the lock isn't damaged. This thing yeah. can't stick its tentacle in the keyhole and turn it. Yeah, I don't think it's that subtle. I think it would tear the wall or tear the door off. But yeah, point a- being, they can't do the test because they've gotten rid of the blood. Yeah, and it's also only about ten minutes from saying, "Hey, let's do this test," to to finding out that the blood has been spilled. So, because who who would that have been? That would have been um uh what's his face who gets torched in the scene where they're all tied up to the couch yeah another one you're talking about i, I was With window denim jacket it was actually window was it when no because window wasn't uh window didn't turn until uh he gets eaten cut. by the guy they torch yeah. in the right that's right because he gets the, the, he bites his head and he was yeah, yeah. yeah it's um i'm not sure see the only thing i can think of is that the guy who was sent to get the blood because remember the captain handed off his keys is that to cooper to cooper to the doctor, the doctor. yeah and the so, doctor was human we think well, they tested his blood at the end, remember? Right, because I was about to say, maybe he destroyed it, then closed it, then called everyone and said, hey, someone destroyed the blood. Yeah. But you're right. When they test his body, he's hu- he was human when he died. Yeah. Because at some point, one other guy dies, and they try and revive him. Yes, yes. And oh, that's way later on. That's is like that another, way later on? Yeah, it's like another 15, sure? 20 minutes, I think. Because that is right, right. Because that's after Macready comes back in, and they're all paranoid about Macready. Right, and so that's right. Because yeah, it's right. And Macready threatens them with a flamethrower and a uh, Uh, bundle of six sticks uh, of dynamite. Yeah, which he's holding way too close to the flame. But he's also holding it way too close to the flare. Like one (laughs) random spark off that flare, and it's lighting the wicket. It's like yeah. But again, it's it's sloppiness, but. Whatever. whatever yeah it's so, a b horror movie yeah like i said we're, we're kind of blazing through this because it's it's like three or four scenes of the same thing i don't trust you you don't trust me i don't trust them yeah and but then there's a fight and you know in the storage room where mccready is hiding with the tnt and the flare yeah and the guy gets kicked and knocked against some shells and dies yeah which clearly is a ploy yeah. This is this is the creature at this point. Yeah. And so they drag him to I guess the doctor's room and they start doing uh, compressions on the doc starts he like, gets on top of him and starts doing chest compressions. Yeah. That doesn't work so he gets the uh the paddles. The paddles. He zaps him once, it doesn't work. And as he pushes in the paddles for a second time, he goes right into the hollow chest cavity which then has jaws which <laughs> then bites off his arms. Clear. Clear. <laughs> This is the point where it gets, like, the most body horror, in my opinion. Yeah, but it's also goofy as hell. Oh. Like, and while this whole shit show is going on, the, the dead creature's head splits off and, and starts, lands on the floor, and something comes out of its mouth, latches hold of a, a desk, or, a desk or, something. or something, and pulls itself out of the way. Everyone's freaking out, scorches it, and then they turn around, and this head has grown spider legs and, yeah. like, 
like like uh, snail like eyes on stalks. And one guy turns around, sees this thing walking away, and goes, "You're fucking kidding me." <laughs> And to be fair, when we're describing this right now, it sounds like a fever dream, but this is genuinely how these scenes go. It's yeah. a very rapid fire, very yeah, frenetic. Like, this is a good film, but it's gory as shit. Oh, Don't yeah. show this to little children. Oh, God, no. Like, this is, like, I mean, look, let's they can call it R-rated all they want. Teenagers watch this. Yeah, show it to a 16-year-old. Yeah, dude. don't show this. To, I would I would say if they're not in junior high, they're, they're, they're you don't show this to them. Oh, yeah. so you're going to give them goddamn nightmares. Yeah. And if they're in, if they're not into gore, yeah, this is not the movie for them. Go find definitely, them, definitely you know, Twilight not. or something to watch. No, never show them Twilight. Never. No, never. Show them. Um, That's horrible in its uh, own other way. Show them Meet the Feebles. I don't know that one. That one was um, Peter Jackson. Oh, Peter Jackson it? before he did Happy Hobbit movies, oh, um, and it's like these um, uh, puppets, but it's very gory and murdery and over the top. Oh, Jesus violent. Christ! Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'm aware of those, but all right. Yeah. So at this point, they start tying everyone up and they start they come up with this new test because McCready, Kurt Russell's character, figures out that this thing doesn't like fire. We're gonna draw a little bit of everybody's blood. Because we're gonna find out who's the thing. Watching Norris in there gave me the idea that maybe every part of him was a whole. Every little piece was an individual animal with a built-in desire to protect its own life. You see, when a man bleeds, it's just tissue. The blood from one of you things won't obey when it's attacked. It'll try and survive. And so it becomes this thing where they start cutting these guys, putting their blood in Petri dishes, and then using a hot wire. And as you pointed out, they're using um, a scalpel, and it just happens to be the the the, the thing they have handy. Because what's his face tried um, to kill McCready the, earlier. The dog dude tried to kill McCready. Right, and he shoots him. Yeah, he shoots him right in the head. Right, but and, and so that's the actually the first three people they, they they test with this new this new hot test yeah. is the doctor yeah. and dog guy, and they yeah. and they turn it turns out they were both human. Yeah, I like how they build up to it. They test the blood, and you figure the standard the way it would play out in most movies is. The first one would be negative. The second one would be negative. The third one would be positive. Yeah. But here they just keep going through them. Yeah. And so you're wondering, are none of these guys alien? Is the alien, does the test not work? Yeah. But then they do the one thing and they put it in and the blood like jumps out. Yeah. So they torch that. That was a good jump. That was actually a good jump scare. It it was one of the few actual jump scares in the film. Yeah. That's what I do appreciate about John Carpenter. He doesn't rely on jump scares. Yeah. Because those are so lazy. They are. So I don't like horror movies. Mm -hmm. I'm so, I, I forget what movie I saw. It's the last horror movie I ever watched in theaters. And when someone said, well, why didn't you like it? I said, I got sick of the director sitting behind me in the theater and going, boo! Yeah. And grabbing me by the shoulders. Like, that becomes not scary after a while or it's thrilling. Annoying. It just becomes annoying. And yeah. eventually you want to turn around and say, fuck off. Yeah. Obviously, I'm talking figuratively. No. Of course. <laughs> the of course. director was not actually sitting beside me. Yeah. But um, it's kind of funny because as they... Yeah, because this is where the this is where the freakout happens. Because when the, when the blood jumps, the guy whose blood it was sort of sits there and starts vibrating. This is pure nonsense. Doesn't prove a thing. I thought you'd feel that way, Gary. You were the only one that could have got to that blood. We'll do you last.
yeah. and the other two people on the couch, Childs and the captain, start screaming. And of course, this is when McCready's flamethrower dies. Dies. The thing gets out of the couch. I think it sort of squeezes yeah, it, out of it its ropes. It just kind of stands. It extends you know, its legs. Well, you know, but it squeezes out of its room and it jumps onto the ceiling and yeah. then drops down in front of Window, who has the other flamethrower, and in typical horror fashion, stare, stands and looks at him with his mouth open. Yeah. And Window, like, you know, they, they probably had a solid 30 seconds of McCready's flamethrower not working. Where Window doesn't just torture. take the right angle and, and yeah. fry the guy. Yeah. Maybe he's afraid he'd kill his two buddies who, after all, are tied right beside him. But. I mean, yeah, but I, I don't know. We're ascribing a lot to a John Carpenter horror uh, movie. Just, just for the record, if you and I and several other people are trapped in this situation and you have to be sitting beside the guy who's bubbling over with blood and goo and aliens, yeah. I'm sorry, dude, but yeah, I'm I torching know. him. and. If Life he, goes on. Yeah, well, <laughs> well not, not for, for you. Me, yeah, but. but I'm sorry, but you're 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 done. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So they they finally torch that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I notice is when 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 he when he does the blood test and he drops it, there's a few drops of blood that run off. Yeah. So it wouldn't matter if they got everything anyway, because yeah, that exactly. thing's still out there, even just as a few drops of blood. And that'll that'll bring back around to my final kind of comments on the film when we wrap this whole thing yeah. up. Yeah, but um, it was at one point they earlier on they said we should all you know if even one particle of this can change you, we yeah. should we should make our own meals and eat, eat out cans. of cans. But it's, it's way too late for that. Oh yeah. So they finally do the rest of the uh, the rest of the tests. Yeah. They clear everybody else. Yeah. Is the best mo- the best line in the whole goddamn movie yeah. here. I know you gentlemen have been through a lot. And when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch! And at this point, they decide that they're going to go out and test test Blair. And the the door is open. Yeah. And they discover... And you point out an interesting continuity thing. I actually want to to test it. Mm. The one you said... You thought they had the hole? Yeah. So they go out to his place. Okay, let's... I'm at 1.5 speed here. So. Yeah, yeah. I do find it like a little bit. I guess. Give it a second. They should pan down to it when they step on it. Yeah, no. see? Those two boards on the left where his yeah. foot stepped on them. They had no snow on them. Good point. My thought was that they were had been lifted up. I thought there was a hole there. Oh, no, no, so. no. It's just that the boards are there, but like they the just... continuity issue was that. Oh, I, shot, see, like, I see. I see. Two frames ago, yeah. they had no snow. Yeah. They, at first, they have snow. Right here, they have snow. But then later, they don't have snow. No, they don't have snow before this shot. And then they have snow and later. And then they've got right, snow. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so it's just a, it's a continuity issue. It's just like when we noticed that when the doctor went out to the Norwegian camp, he didn't have his nose ring. Yeah. Which means either A, they filmed it much later, which they probably did, or I assume that's it. I assume he didn't take it out for the trip. Well, I mean, um, like, there's, I'm sure that there's probably good protocol for, hey, don't wear a metal, metal thing ring on your, your nose yeah. when you're out um, in the Arctic. But I think that would be important even if you were at the base, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yes, it's a little continuity ever, but the point is they go into the into the tool shed and shock of shocks, he's used the tools to open the door. Yeah. Uh, and also to, uh, in, we figure at this point what it's about 48 hours after they locked him up. I feel like it's more than that. But I, I can't it's hard be sure. To, yeah, they, they're they're actually really bad at telling the space of time. Like at yeah. one point, we did miss where Kurt Russell's character McCready is recording into an audio tape. Oh, just, yeah. I'm going to hide this just in case we don't get out of here. We, it's there's been no tra- 78 hours. Or 40, or 48 he hours. says 48 Does hours. He say actually, okay. I haven't slept in 48 hours. Right. So it's been at least 48 hours since things got bad. Yeah. So who knows? So maybe it's been 72 hours since they locked Blair in that room. But yeah. the point is in, se- in, in se- at least 48 hours, let's say two and a half days, three yeah. days, he has pried away the floorboards of the tool shed, dug a, what would you say? Four foot high hole 
five yeah. foot high hole. Then he's built a large work area, hauled the tools down, and is two thirds the way through building a one man flying saucer. Yes. And I appreciate the fact that they kept it as a flying saucer. They yeah. went with the 1950s look. You might um, as well. I mean, yeah. that's that's the whole thing that it's been since the start of the film. Yeah. So this, I think this is the point where they realize ain't no one getting out of here. And so then they just, just sort of go for it. Like they said it, like they yeah. decide, let's. Oh, no, they, they make the assumption that. Um, right, because they see Childs run off. Yeah. Remember? Wait, because... no, not, it's not Childs. Childs is with him. No, he's not. It's the other black dude is with him. The chef? Yes. Uh, Childs is left behind. Remember, he says, we're going to go test, we're going to go test right. uh, yeah, Blair. Yeah, yeah. If, if he comes back without us, burn him. And then they see Childs run off. Yeah. Remember, he doesn't appear to the end and they wonder where he's been. Yeah. And, and he then... kills the generator. Probably, yeah. The generator well, goes down, and that's when they realize, look, we're not getting out of here. We yeah. need to make sure we kill that thing, because if he's allowed to freeze, he can just wait it out until the rescue team comes from us in the spring, yeah. and then we're back to where we started. So at this point, they realize what you know Blair had realized before he was changed. Yeah. They start laying dynamite everywhere. They have an awful lot of dynamite there, like an yeah. awful lot. I mean... I'm yeah, not sure I, why I, that is. I don't have a good justification Same for that. Same reason they have two flamethrowers and a lot of shotguns, I guess. Yeah. It's, uh, maybe there's some kind of protocol where this is what you use for Arctic uh, deep dive exploration. Shotguns and flamethrowers? Sure, let's sure, go with that. I don't know, um, man. What I do like about it is they go into the basement, <laughs> and I'd seen a, I told you, I'd seen a documentary where they were talking about some Antarctic station. And because the snow comes in so heavy there... Yep. What happens is you'll have a station, and then the, the following year... They don't keep it to it all year. That wasn't... A possibility no. up until the 70s or 80s they didn't have the technology to keep you alive in, in the cold right so you'd abandon it and you'd come back to the same site the next year and it'd be covered over with snow yeah so you just build the next one and you do that year after year and so these guys did like an expedition where they kept going down 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 where they would break through the floor and they'd come across the, the like the roof of the previous building right and you could go down several layers and so when they go down here you realize that this is in fact what's happened here that they have an earlier building down here that they're now just using as just guys garbage slash storage yeah they like it's just really... it's a bunch of old shit like you see wooden chairs like yeah, stuff that was smashed things. yeah stuff that was clearly from, from the 50s and 60s yeah and they start setting bombs and that's where i forget when the black dude buys it um, um uh he just kind of wanders off on his own they and, don't and, really and show then, him die yeah. and then the captain who's the only other one who's alive blair just walks up to him puts his hand over his mouth and like, and just kind of like melds into his face sort yeah of. And, and and drags him off and so we know they do they do show a good scene of him like dragging him as his arm is joined to merged his face. The, yeah the face is like it's complete like the skin of the face and the, yeah it's really yeah. gross but it is but again, it's a good shot yeah it's but it's gore oh yeah uh, it's just certainly gory and then the thing comes through the snowboard the the floorboards of this basement and it's like a thousand horror movies you've ever seen where as it moves the boards above it burst off and we yeah. realize this thing is fucking huge yeah and kurt russell like lights a stick of dynamite and goes yeah fuck you too and throws it at him blows him up yeah um, well yeah it, it explodes out of the floor and you can see like the dog's head uh, coming out of the chest of the thing. yeah yeah it's it, at this point it's like it's the entire ordeals worth of forms this thing has taken all yeah. yelling at kurt russell snarling at him yeah. yeah and then he sort of stumbles back into the open of course the the dynamite did go off. I mean, it is kind of funny before the creature burst out itself from the floorboards. It sucked, oh, yes. it, it's, it sucked in the trigger from the dynamite and it's yeah. the standard plunger. Yeah. And that's just kind of funny. Like, no, no, you don't get this. Yeah. That was, um, it was cute. And it wasn't like, 
it wasn't a slow dramatic grab I it just grabs just kind of it. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's it, 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 it shouldn't be funny because it's such a horrible scene yeah but it is funny it I is it's unintentionally funny yeah and then he, you know, sort of McCready staggers out and he sort of collapses under what's left of a building. And then Child shows up and says, where were you? Oh, well, I cha- I thought I saw Blair. I chased him. I lost him in the snow. And, yeah. and they sort of sit there and it's like, well, I guess we're going to sit here and die. Yeah. And they leave it at that. And again, I think at some point Carpenter said that, yeah, here's the one who was the, here's the one who wasn't the human. Yeah. Yeah. So they're sitting in the shack. We we can assume that one of the two of them is human, one of them is not. Yeah. And but there they, are no place there are no there are no place to do anything about it. Yeah, They're exactly. Both the flamethrowers, and they both have dynamite. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's just the end of it, and mm-hmm. then it fades to black and goes to goes to credits. <clears throat> yeah. It's. I don't know what you think of it. Like you hadn't seen it before. No, and I I'm still having kind of like a a mixed reaction to it. Um, it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. It was a. Yeah, I'm going to make that distinction. And, and again, as, as usual when I'm on this show, I, mm. I make the distinction between a film and a movie. Yeah. And this was a good movie. This was, yeah, so it's a popcorn flick. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's something to turn your brain off and just watch. Yeah. And it did that. It did that in spades. I mean, mm. I'm not the biggest gore guy either. Yeah. But this was 80s gore, so it was relatively easy to just go, oh, okay. Yeah, it's cornstarch with red yeah, dye. Exactly. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Ketchup. Ketchup, yeah. Strawberry yeah. jam. Yeah, pretty much. It's... Yeah, and I'm a, I think I sort of come down the same way. I don't think it's an awesome film. No. It's just, it's a neat film. Yeah. The only reason it suddenly occurred to me to do this is I've been seeing Wilford Brimley on Twitter a lot. Okay. And I thought, you know, and I remember we, we, we were going to either do this or Streets of Fire. Yeah. And then I watched Streets of Fire and I realized it's just, there's nothing to talk about. Yeah. But the thing, there is something to talk about. Like, yeah. there's a lot to talk about in this film, even though it's mediocre. There are great films for which there's nothing to talk about. Yeah. And there are mediocre films for which there is plenty to talk about. And this, I think, is... A mediocre film. Yeah. yeah. It is a B-movie. Yeah. Oh, definitely. This is for sci-fi or horror fans. Yeah. It's it's yeah. for fun. It's not yeah. for pushing boundaries or being no. experimental. It's for fun. It's not a daring film, yeah. But as we said, you don't show this to your 10-year-old. God, no. You know, if they're, if they're, especially if they're easily freaked out, this just isn't, this isn't a date film either. I mean, no. it's, it oh, earned God. its restricted rating. Well... I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I, c- I could see it being. Oh yeah, if you're dating like... Morticia, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it... um, oh, I should I should come back to something I mentioned earlier. Yeah. I I'd said that I had a one like kind of core problem with mm-hmm. the movie, and that was the fact that we we brought up that well, you get one molecule of this creature on mm-hmm. you, and you're converted. Yeah, that inherently means everything's fucked. Because yeah, because they've all been breathing it in. They've all been standing around. Yeah, they've all been breathing it in. It's now just, it's all going to be covering the inside of this building. And so even when uh, the rescue crew comes in the summer. It doesn't matter, yeah. It doesn't matter. They're yeah. going to be well, infected maybe, with this. Maybe and, it's not a molecule. Maybe you actually have to, maybe it really does have to be more than that. Maybe it has to be, you know, like a, I don't know, a couple pints of goo or something. Maybe, but I mean, I mean look at the way it hosed down that dog. Yeah. And it's still, the dog was well, only, no. you know, starting to convert well, yeah. when it came in later. It's hard to tell. But I mean, that's like, that's a timeline thing. and Yeah. And the fact that they're just saying, gore it up, go, yeah. go like, dial it up to 11. Yeah. yeah it's exactly. hard to tell. That's the thing. Like, does it have to, because if it has to touch you, mm-hmm. then that's more than just a molecule. Yeah. And but, they would have, you know, it's hard to tell. But I mean, they even make the point of saying like, oh, just a couple of drops of this thing's blood will animate. Yeah. But then how long does it take to work through you, right? Like, the two Norwegians seem to survive that whole ord- whole ordeal yeah. without being converted. Yeah. They're both killed yeah. by, one, their own stupidity and uh, a guy with a really good aim. Yeah. Again, this is the, this is the sloppiness of, of John Carpenter. Yeah. Again, don't, that, don't, let me, don't let that take away from the fact that he's a very good filmmaker. Mm-hmm. He's just, details ain't his thing. Right. And so, 
his movies tend to stumble along and be good in spite of that, or maybe because of that, it's hard to tell. But yeah, it, you can't nitpick this movie the way no. you could other movies where you say, well, but here he said this and did this, and that does not jive with what is said three minutes later. Yeah. Now this is just a movie he makes. He yeah. just stumbles through it. It's just a thing to watch and yeah. eat popcorn and... Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... It, this is <laughs> a, a great movie to just enjoy your time, yeah. to just not worry about all the the cumulative yeah. effect of the movie, just what is happening in the moment. It's enough. Yeah, you're flipping through Netflix if you see the thing. Watch it. Yeah. After the kids have gone to bed. Yeah, definitely. So, but yeah, so, I mean, I can't really think of anything else. Um, no, I can't really either. So yeah. we'll just sit here and stare at each other and wait for one of us to grow tentacles. Yeah, slowly freeze to death. Absolutely. All right, cool. Okay, there yeah. it is. 